0: taking you inside the world of music this is inside music cast with rick such and eddie cabello on this episode inside music cast welcomes lee sklar welcome to inside music cast a podcast devoted to
1: musicians fans and the people that make music happen i'm rick such and i'm eddie cabello Welcome everybody from around the world, and as Rick mentioned, Inside Music Cast is devoted to bringing you candid interviews, news, and information with the musicians, fans, and people that make music happen. That's right. This is the podcast that goes beyond the pop star and features the talent behind the talent.
0: So if you're ready, let's get started. Welcome to Inside Music Cast. Two weeks ago, we debuted part one of our conversation with bassist Lee Sklar. Eddie and I had such a great chat with Lee that we decided to break it into two parts. On this episode, we continue our conversation with Lee, discussing the Barefoot Servants, technology, and one of his favorite topics, hot rods. So, Lee, let's get started off today by talking a little bit about the Barefoot Servants. Now, you guys formed back in 94, created an album, and you've recently regrouped to record another album. So I'm just curious to know a little more about the band, its musical style, and more importantly, your involvement.
2: Well, when I first got called to work with these guys, I think I was working up in the Bay Area on a Jimmy Webb record, and there's a, a, a guy named Michael Frondelli who used to run the Capitol Studios down here in Los Angeles and was a producer. And he called me and he said, look, I'm going to be producing this, this band, and I, we need a bass player for the project. And he said, let me send you a couple of demos and see what you think. And I put on the demos. I listened to two notes, called him, and said, count me in. Oh, cool. um, I don't know if you were familiar with John Butcher, but John Butcher's Axis was one of the you know big East Coast groups back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And John is like just an amazing singer-guitar player. And he had teamed up with uh, another guitarist named Ben Schultz, who worked with everybody kind of from Buddy Miles to Belinda Carlisle, to, okay. you name it. He was one of the staple players out here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So they put this band together together. Um, And they had a drummer named Ray Brinker who was playing with them, who's just a fantastic drummer who I had never met or heard of before this. So uh, we came down. uh, When I got back, we got together. We rehearsed a week and then went in the studio and basically cut the whole record in a week over at Capitol. Um, And I looked at the guys when we were finished. I said, man, if you need a bass player to work with you guys, I'd love to do this because it was kind of like the first record was sort of like Hendrix meets ZZ Top." (laughs) Five, you know, this kind of almost like Texas rock boogie, but with that real electric um, Hendrixy kind of an attitude to mm-hmm. it. Stuff is like in your face, and we went out on the road on a thing called the Southern Spirit Tour for god months, um, which actually I I, I, re, I refer to as the Bubba Palooza Tour because <laughs> it was thirty eight special Marshall Tucker, the <laughs> yeah. Outlaws, and the Thunderbirds, and us, and we were the opening act. Uh-huh. And, uh, but it was great, and we had a great time. But when we finished that tour in 94, basically the record company, I think, basically dropped the ball on this. There was no, no follow-through. So was, we would get standing ovations every night, and there was no product out there. So I looked at the guys, and I said, you know, I've got enough hobbies. I really can't afford to do this again because I had turned down a really lucrative tour to go out for free with these guys but I believed in the project. So we parted ways at that point, but we would bump into each other individually, like at the NAM shows and things like that every year. And finally, Ben um, built a studio at his house, and he called me one day, and he said he was working on a project and asked if I'd come over and put some bass on it for him. So we started sitting there and hanging out, and suddenly, Owen, and this feels great. This is just like the, you know, 10 years ago. And uh, he had stayed uh, in-, in touch with Butcher, so we all kind of got together and, and, and just hung out a bit and played a little bit, and we went, Jesus, this really does feel good. What we chose to do at that point was not worry about a record label or anything. All we needed to do was invest time. Mm-hmm. So we got together and, and made a new record at Ben's house, and he engineered it, and he's a monster engineer. And um, and so we did that. And John, over the years, has been uh, involved with a, a, a little indie label called Adam Records. Oh yeah, and uh, Are they out of Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, and they had done all of his solo stuff. So we went with Scott Kinnison over there, and he's been helping us out with this. And uh, and basically, we're just we made a record that's it's a far more. Um, Rock record than than that kind of Texas blues record that we did the first time around. John singing his ass off. The writing is great on this thing. The playing is great. I'm really really proud of this record. And now we're just looking for avenues of getting it out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask: Is it, it available? It's a new World. Yeah. Is it available anywhere?
2: Yeah. It's on Adam Records. It's on um, the iTunes store. Has has stuff. Okay. And our website is barefootservants dot net. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's snippets of the music on the website and lots of pictures. I've, I've got a photo gallery in there that I've really gone over the top with of just tons of pictures on the website and stuff. If anybody wants to go visit, it's a lot of fun, really goofy stuff. But um, we just were back in um, New Jersey. We got involved with um, the, the publishing company from Hot Rod magazine. Mm-hmm. So they had us come back and play for the closing night of the Hot Rod Power Tour uh, in Engli- at the English Town Racetrack.
0: I bet that was a wild crowd. It was
2: great. And uh, <laughs> one of the things they're letting us do is they're going to place three ads in Hot Rod magazine for our album. <laughs> really? That's <laughs> and awesome. And I have a friend coming over who's a great photographer named Rob Shanahan, and we're going to do a photo shoot out here at my house because I've got a, a, a tea T-bucket Hot Rod with an 800-horsepower small block in it. And 800? Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> It's a small block with dual throttle body, fuel injectors, twin turbos, and nitrous.
1: Wow. Oh, so. my God. Does it have a fuse on it?
2: Oh, it's it's really a lot of fun. It's it's kind of like, you know, like Doc Brown's time machine here. You know, to go back to the future.
0: With so this thing. is the car you, you just take to the grocery store on occasion. Yeah, really. You, yeah.
2: But it it pisses everybody off because <laughs> it's so loud and, and obnoxious. A tea bucket. But what tea. is that, 1920,
1: 25, 23? 23, 23. 23 tea bucket. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
2: So it's a beast. So we're going to do a photo shoot, I think, here with some old vintage gear and stuff sitting around this thing and use that as the eye candy for the hot rod ad.
1: Very cool. When's that going to be published? Do you have any idea? I think
2: November, December, and January issues.
1: That'd be neat to pick up. I was, you know, and you know, you mentioned Hot Rod Magazine in the seventies. Uh, you know, as, as a kid, I, I was so into Hot Rod magazines, and and uh, maybe these names. I mean, you're, you're you're probably a drag racer at heart. I've read, and and I remember the names such as, uh, you know, Don Garlits, Prudhomme, John Masmanian. Oh, John Masmanian
2: had.
1: Remember, John? Two of the
2: best cards. His 60s. Sixty-one or two vet. I still think is the bitchinest vet I ever saw. It's
1: it's incredible. Yeah, and
2: his willies was
1: amazing. The willies, yeah, that yeah, the was the uh, apple red. Well, there was a guy that was a crazy dude, and uh, his name was. Uh, they call him one-handed Willie Borsch. At Wild remember, Willie, remember Wild Willy? My God, he used to drive that thing down a quarter uh, with one hand on his wheel and the other one on the side of the uh, Wild the- Willie was was was. was, was <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he had this huge whale whale fin on top of the of the, of his little of the rod man. That thing could move explosively. You oh know? yeah,
2: no Willie w- was amazing. But all those the, all those guys during that period, that was a real you know. And then with Shirley Muldowney yeah. changing the whole look of of motorsports for women. Mm-hmm. And,
1: um, Sox and Martin.
2: Oh God, yeah. Remember that yeah. Ronnie Sox Yeah, and, Connie Kalita.
1: All Jeez, you're touching those buttons, man. Even Dickie Smothers was in there. Yeah. You know, that, that's people wouldn't believe that, but Dickie Smothers had a he was a pillar there in the rock era or well, in the there's drag racing.
2: A, a lot of those guys, you know, that, that people think of there, there there was do you remember a guy named Wally Cox? Yeah. Well Wally Cox was a biker.
1: Seriously? A Harley guy. Holy
2: you know, and here you'd see Mr. Peepers, you'd see this little kind of wormy little <laughs> yeah, guy, little... but he was this kind of a total freak when it came to Bike World. Seriously? Yeah.
1: I had no idea. You know, uh, do you on on that note of, you know, names or whatever. I mean, who who else have you worked with session players that are into cars and so forth like that? Share your experience with the rods and so forth. I mean, and I don't I'm not talking about the wannabes You just buy something that's already rebuilt, you know, and so forth, but who else do you know that you know? I don't know
2: that many. There's really? there's a few guys around, but not that many of the guys are really, you know, gung ho. I know I know um uh Jay, John Robinson Jr. Yeah. Uh, he loves muscle cars so he's always like looking for some kind of a thing he's always talking right you know some kind of rods and and uh, one of the other car freaks that I, that I love is uh there's an engineer producer named Bill Schnee.
0: Oh yeah yeah. And absolutely.
2: he's a, a complete car freak too. He and I've gone out to He's a great engineer. Oh man, he's a monster. No doubt.
0: I understand, and we've we'll, just got a couple more questions for you. Sure. I understand you're a correspondent on the new Toto Network website, and what is your role as a correspondent, and, and what is your relationship with Toto?
2: Well, I mean, I've, my relationship with those guys goes back forever. I mean, um, Jeff Beccaro and I worked constantly together through the 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeff was probably my one one of my top like three favorite drummers I've ever played with in my life. I just absolutely love Jeff, and... And still just lament his passing because mm-hmm. he, that was a loss that the music industry, you know, there was nobody to fill his shoes. Right. He was just magic. And I was, like, I did one of Lukather's very first sessions with him as, as when he was trying to get into studio work and stuff. And I, I'd known Paige, David, and I'd known his father, Marty. and mm-hmm. So I've kind of known all these guys for, for a long, long time. And and always admired them as much you know bad press as they always seem to be given <laughs> here in the states, kind right. of like what Phil Collins goes through. You can pack arenas around the world and have people buy millions of records, but the uh, the the, uh, the critics all go, "Oh, they're crap." Right? It's like, but uh, I really those I'm really fond of those guys. They're, they've always been really consistent, great musicians, great writers. So when this whole thing was that there's Scott Page um, and his partner, Russ, they've, they've put this thing together called New MBC, which is their mm-hmm. company, and basically, this is going to, I think, transcend Toto or anything. This is a technology-based company, but they're, the, the test for this whole thing, uh, since he's been friends with Toto for so long and, and all that, those are the guys that were are being used as kind of the poster boys for this new technology.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, Which is kind of ironic because we talked to Scott Page in our first uh, our first podcast, and one of the things we mentioned to Scott was, you know, back in the seventies and early eighties, you know, those guys were sort of the poster boys for a lot of new technology, including you know new keyboards and you know stuff that Yamaha was putting out, and, and they were at that time when they were kind of a fledgling band, they were sort of on the forefront of technology, and absolutely. here they are twenty five years later or more, and, and they're doing the same thing
2: exactly. And so so they've put this this network together for Toto that's becoming an interactive international fan base where everybody can communicate directly with each other. The, the doors haven't officially opened yet to it, so it's still in, in its beta testing period. Um, but that's pretty, pretty much resolved, I think, and it, they're going to be opening the floodgates pretty soon. So Scott called me and asked me if I wanted to get involved with this because he's been you know, kind of telling me in bits and pieces what this is all about over the past few years. And uh, they decided. They asked me if I would be a correspondent within the network, not necessarily just specifically for Toto, but just sort of doing my own thing too. Mm-hmm. Just as another person, and it's been a ball. Mm-hmm. I'm having a ball. I'm, I'm. They're they're supplying me with, you know, different cameras and stuff. You know, that, that would that that kind of incorporate this new technology. So like when I'm going to be out with Lyle, I'm going to be shooting pictures all the time and I can log them in real time onto the website and people can contact me and I can get back to them um, with real time video Uh and all this stuff.
1: Right. If you can't have fun with technology, what good is it, right?
2: Yeah, truly. (laughs) Well, now now that I'm sort of roped into it, I'm, I've jumped in full speed ahead. It's really funny. When I was out with Phil Collins last year, one of our cameramen, because we had the giant screen stuff going on, right. he was teaching me all the things you can do to screw people up on their computers. So it was really fun. You know, it's kind of like learning a new <laughs> language, and the first thing you do is learn all the dirty words.
1: <laughs> so you're getting the hang of this uh, this little camera thing.
2: Oh uh, yeah, it's getting there. We actually the problem we were we were having. I, I was having a lot of problems with it, and it turns out I think it was a defective battery. It wasn't allowing me to, to fully upload before it would crap out on me. So right. we're going to get a new battery for it. But it's it's just interesting, you know, and and just you know learning how to maneuver myself on a laptop over the past year and a half has been interesting. Now I've got guys coming up to me going, "How'd you do that?" <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey, listen, I, I have a question regarding uh, a little bit of this technology and what you're involved in now with uh, with the network and stuff. Um, you know, it's. You know, you're talking to a whole new batch of people that typically you wouldn't even be in contact with. I mean, you're involved with, you touch base with people out of Australia and Belgium and wherever. And me and me and Rick and we've chatted a few times on on the network. And uh, this whole access thing of what's what's this about to do to to the industry? Well, where's this going to take this? I mean, it's it's a new touchpoint for for fans and musicians.
2: Well, I think one of the things that's really exciting as a musician is one of the positive aspects of this technology is if a as a musician in los angeles my career is predicated on who's in los angeles recording mm-hmm. or if they want to fly me someplace but with the advent of all this new technology somebody could send me like somebody from nigeria could send me an mp3 file and I could put bass on it for him and send it back to them.
0: Right, right. So this
2: is opening up another musical community to, to, to the world. And, and plus, this fan communication to me is really fantastic because as a player, I mean, I love playing and stuff, but one of the things I've always loved when I've been on the road is I always, like when we would play the summer sheds and stuff with James or any of these, or Phil, I would always just go walk around the crowd. Mm-hmm. and just talk to people and hang out. Right. And to me, it's, it really uh, it just opens up this entire avenue of, of relationships that is is really pretty unique. And uh, I'm, I'm enjoying that world community aspect where these guys are writing me and they're going, well, boy, if you ever, you know, if, when you get to Spain or when you get to Argentina or when you get to you know Thailand, we, we hope we can meet up with you. With Phil Collins, I've been doing a forum on Phil Collins' site, Mm -hmm. and when we played in Prague, all these forum people all showed up for like the closing concerts, and they wrote me and they said, well, we're all meeting at such and such place, you know, if you could be there, it would really be, well, I, I went, I hung out with them, spent a couple hours just hanging out with all of them, putting faces to names, and
0: it was great.
1: Hey, I've I've got a question for you. Um yeah. in in the past, um and, and for those that are more into the international music scene or whatever, in the past ten years, I listened to a lot of um uh, international type of music. And, mm-hmm. and there's been a whole level of quality that has really emerged from, you know, whether it's South America or from France or, you know, uh, you know, Latin American countries and the whole level of musicianship. You have Juanes and Luis Miguel and oh, yeah. these guys. I mean, talk, talk to that about a little bit. What kind of, have you worked on projects for these, uh, international, uh, type of artists and or producers like Umberto Gatica and, um, ha- have you touched that before?
2: Oh, a good friend of mine. Is he? And I've worked with Luis Miguel. I've, I've worked with um, this girl Anna Visi, who's yeah. out of Greece. I worked for. I've been working for many years with Veronique Sanson, out of France. Uh-huh. Um, to me, music is the international language, mm-hmm. and that is to me the joy of of being involved in music. I can be in the studio. I've done lots of Japanese artists, mm-hmm. um, uh, Chinese artists, and uh, every time we get together, it's just the, the, there's a commonality, even if we can't speak to each other. As soon as we start playing music, we have mm-hmm. no language barrier.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, and and the sophistication. I mean, because people are hearing stuff all over the world so easily now through the internet that um, you can you you can definitely get a whole lot more deeply into the music, like of, of African artists or. Asian artists and, and everybody's got their own spin on uh, even if everybody's doing pop mm-hmm. it's all approached so differently that I think that's really ex- exhilarating
1: right you know some people have this uh, misnomer that you know pop oh gee whiz pop sucks or whatever you know and, and, and music it, is music it is good and, is and, good you know music there's some great pop going on out there and there's this great jazz and there's great rock and, and I think and as there's long great as,
2: polka music you know people <laughs> laugh about different things <laughs> Man, it's if it's played well, it can blow your mind.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, every every year for the past uh, several years, uh, uh, me and a buddy used to go down to, to Jazz Fest down at the Heritage Festival mm-hmm. in uh, New Orleans. And I tell you, I, I, several years ago, around 10 years ago, I was introduced to, 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 to Zydeco music. Oh, man. And I tell you, when I first got my ears on Bo Jacques, who's not here no more, and, and uh, you know, guys like, uh, uh, you know, it's just, you know. Uh, Dr. Zydeco and, you know, uh, Dr. John and all these yeah. guys. It's it's just great music everywhere um, you go.
2: It's incredible. I mean, I got to do a record with Flaco Jimenez.
1: Did you really? Like
2: one of the greatest button, you oh, know, the yeah. Texas button accordion players. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Tex-Mex music. And you I laid like, tracks for him? Oh, yeah, we did a, Did his album. Look at that. Man, and it's like you just sit there going, oh, man, this is bitching." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But to me, good music is good music. I really don't care. I'm not, I'm not, a snob about what I listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll listen to anything if it's done well.
1: And that's probably where you get your longevity in the industry. I mean, you you keep up. You love music as an entirety, and and you're just like, what's new, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, you just kind of go. You know, I could have been stuck in a really crappy job somewhere that I hated, and I feel so <laughs> blessed. I mean, people come up to me at this point and they go, oh, "Do you ever think about retiring?" And I go, "From what?" Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, man I, I you know it's kind of like uh Charles Heston would say they're going to have to drag my my bass out of my cold, dead fingers <laughs> you know to get me out of here
0: hey, Lee, one last question for you. Yeah. What's on your iPod these days or if you don't have an iPod, what are you listening to
2: um pretty eclectic when you know, i when I'm traveling, I mostly listen to classical mm-hmm. the, the biggest library in my iPod is my classic library really, and uh I you know. I'm, boy, I'm pretty content. I can sit there and listen to Aaron Copeland and Vaughn Williams all day, and I'm pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly that, but I, you know, with an iPod, the drag with an iPod is you sort of have to load the music in, and that's what you got. So I'm more inclined just to listen occasionally to a radio station just to get something new because mm-hmm. I don't really shop that much for music. I got I've got so many CDs that are still in cellophane, <laughs> you know, that I still haven't even pulled out that I sh- that I should load up. I just been lazy about it because i don't i don't really have that much free time yeah. you know and it's not so much just that I'm, I'm working i have a lot of other things i do between cars working on my house all the different kind of gardening and right. all this stuff that i'm more inclined just to drag a crappy radio outside and listen to a ball game when i'm doing <laughs> yard work
1: it's funny that uh, you know i've got two two young daughters and and uh, one of the the nicest things that we do is just and you know I'm like you I've got s- tons of CDs that are still you know wrapped up I love pulling out my vinyl you know and oh, and sure. the girls they put the they, they know how to clean the 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 records they put them on and we listen for hours on on old stuff and the old you know Linda Ronstadt uh, uh, right. albums and JT and Handyman and then they just love it and they're digging it and and they're almost like amused because it's like holy cow. This is on vinyl. How how do they put sound on vinyl? I just fantastic. can't understand that. You know, so I agree with you. I think it's. Uh, I'm, I still I still don't get it. <laughs>
2: well, it's, well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I sit there with the same thing, looking at a seven forty seven, and go, "How the hell does it leave the ground?" No. I understand lift. <laughs> I understand. I or I understand displacement, but how does an aircraft carrier float? Mm-hmm. I <laughs> you know, know, it's amazing. It's Another one of those things. You know, how do they get that music on that vinyl? Really, <laughs> that's good.
0: Well, hey, Lee, just for people listening here, uh, they can visit your uh, Barefoot Servants website at uh, barefootservants.net. And, and yeah. are there any other ways or, uh, that people can find out more about you on the net?
2: I guess just Google me. I've never really gotten into that.
0: Mm-hmm. You don't and, have a uh, website for yourself?
2: Yeah. but okay. um, you know, I People are always coming to me with information about me that I don't know. So it's always like us for me because I'm just sort of having to live with me every day, and I keep trying to get away, but every time I go somewhere, there I am.
1: Well, anytime you want to hear uh, anything new about yourself, call us up, okay? Absolutely, <laughs>
0: absolutely. Well, hey, Lee, we appreciate your time, and thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast.
1: A
2: complete joy, anytime.
0: For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such, and we'll see you next time on Inside Music Cast thanks once again to lee sklar for joining us on this episode of inside music cast our goal is to bring you a new podcast once every other week so be sure to check your podcast downloads for the next episode of inside music cast if you have a question or a suggestion for the show please drop us an email at input at inside music that's input at inside music with one c for eddie cabello i'm rick such stay subscribed to inside music cast and we'll see you next time Thanks for downloading Inside Music Cast, the podcast devoted to the musicians, fans, and the people who make the music business happen. Your subscription is appreciated, so be sure to check your podcatcher for our next episode. You can also visit InsideMusicCast.com for additional content. If you'd like to contact us via email, the address is input at InsideMusicCast.com.